so, amen, a new year is starting, and this theme this year we're dealing with being Christian soldiers. We're talking about Christian soldiers in action, because one of the things that you find out as you have read your Bible, you, you don't get too far in the Bible before you realize that they are fighting, <laughs> that is war going on, you know, and we have to realize that, you know, the church is a battleground. You know, it's, it's warfare. This is war. You know, this is why Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. We'll talk a little bit about this in a few seconds. But our theme scripture uh, for this month is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affection and lust. And they that are Christ's have crucified. You know, we, we've got to get this flesh thing under control. You know, he's out of control. He's gone pure crazy, <laughs> you know. So we, we've got to control it and not allow it to control us. You remember when Jesus, his last uh, couple of days on the earth, you know, and it was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, and he was praying, and he told Peter, he says, you know, watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, you know. And so, therefore, you know, we there's so many scriptures once you get into the New Testament that talks about bringing the flesh under subjection. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the matter is that a lot of the New Testament was written to the Gentiles. And as a result, when you go back and you study Scripture, you find that the Gentiles were just basically going crazy doing a whole lot of foolish stuff. So it was all, most of it was led by the spirit, I meant the flesh. And so Paul, in his teachings, is trying to get us to see the value of bringing our flesh into subjection. And that's the, the, the unique thing about being a Christian and a child of God is we walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Even though we live in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're mining through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, ever high things that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So we, we, this month we're going to talk about Christian soldiers. So you're a soldier, amen. So now you've got to lace up your boots. You've got to get your uniform right. You've got you to get all this stuff in action and be ready to war, amen. The Encarta Dictionary defines soldier as a skilled and experienced fighter or military strategist, amen. Notice just that part, what it says, amen. He's skilled. He's experienced, Amen. And he's a strategist. He's got to be able to de develop plans. He's got to be able to put it in action. He's got to be able to study this thing out. If you hear us constantly around the church, we'll constantly say, study, study, study. You know, you've, you've got to know your enemy. I mean, I'm not your enemy. <laughs> you know, a lot of times people think people in the church and people are, are your enemies. It's not. Paul says we wrestle and not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So as a soldier, you've got to be skilled. You've got to be experienced. You've got to, you've got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. A lot of times I ask people, why are you doing that? They don't have a clue, you know. And, you know, and, and a lot of times I ask young people, tell me what you want to be when you grow up. They don't have a clue, you know. But, but as soldiers... In the Lord's army, we've got to be skilled. We've got to be experienced, amen. And we've got to be able to strategize how to fight, how to war, amen, and, and realize who our enemies are and, and not just think everybody because I disagree with you or 
you don't see the same way that I see that I'm your enemy. We have to learn all these things. Amen. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 15, verse 2 and 3, the Lord is my strength and song. Amen. You know, look at the confidence that's coming out of the word of God. He's my strength. Amen. And he is my song. Praise God. And he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. Amen. Notice that. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Jehovah is his name. The Lord is a man of war. Amen. He's a warrior. God is a warrior. Amen. And so therefore, as we're going to be like him, we've got to learn how to war. We've got to learn how to fight. Amen. We've got to learn how to strategize this thing. There is an enemy warring of our souls, and we must prepare in order to defeat him. Many scriptures speak to warfare and, and that of being a soldier. For example, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. I was quoting this a few seconds ago. Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds. Amen. There are some things that that is fortified, that's hard, that sometimes, you know, it, it's got to be taken down. If you stop and think about the walls of Jericho, they had to walk around the walls of Jericho before they broke those things down. Amen. There was a certain amount of walking, a certain amount of trusting and believing God. So the, we don't, even though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Don't let the flesh control you. Don't let the flesh keep leading you the wrong way to do the wrong thing you've got to bring it under subjection amen you've got to control it you got to get it a control of it and one way you can get control of it is you got to make it suffer sometimes don't let it have what it want all the time and when you're fasting you know one of the things you find sometimes is everybody wants to bring food and everything's and all of a sudden you find yourself struggling to to, to try to hold back but the more you do it, the more you continue to hold on to what you're doing, you'll be surprised how easy it, it becomes. You've got to bring this thing under control. Amen. Because it'll get out of hand in a, in a heartbeat. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're money, prayer, fasting, you know, reading and studying God's word. These things are, are weapons of our warfare, and we can... Look at our armor that Paul talks about. We'll talk about that a little bit in a few minutes here that he tells us to put on. And, and you have to be able also to, as a strategist and as a fighter, to know what's at your disposal. What do you have, you know, to be able to call up and, and to get involved to help you to be defeated. Uh, not defeated, but help you to be, be victory against your foes. You, you've got other things that you can call upon. You got other people you can rely upon, amen, to help you get through these things in your life. But I will tell you, if you call and you get good godly wisdom and good godly counsel, you need to listen. Because if not, it does you no good. Amen. If, you, if somebody is trying to give you godly wisdom and you don't accept it, you know, you have to learn how to wait. <laughs> you know, that comes back to bring this flesh under subjection. Amen. To make it suffer sometimes. Casting down imagination is an ever high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
Amen. We've got to bring these thoughts that's going to invade your mind, you know, into the obedience of Christ. What does God's word say? If God's word says I'm more than a conqueror, I can't let my flesh tell me I'm not a conqueror. If God says he's given me power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, I can't let my flesh tell me that he's not. I can't let my flesh speak to anything that goes against the word of God. i got to bring it under subjection. Amen. These thoughts. Thoughts are going to run crazy in your mind. They're going to say, Sister Sue, the pastor don't like me. You know, you know, you got to bring that thought back into captivity, you know, because you, you have to realize, you know, uh, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to die. No, you're not. You're going to live. That's what you need to get in the habit. You know, I'm going to live. That's what the psalmist said. I should not die but live. Even if I drop dead right now, I'm alive. <laughs> because I'm going to be with him forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to reign with him. Amen. To be absent of the body, to be the presence of Christ. Whether we live or die, we're going to be his. So it don't make any difference. <laughs> so we just need to get into that mindset, amen, that we're going to a better place, amen. He's going to prepare a place for us. So we got to bring these thoughts into captivity, amen. The enemy is going to try to put doubt in your mind. I think I probably told you about the African fly called the Tsetse fly, right? You've heard about him, right? Little fly, he gets in your ears and then he lays his eggs and the eggs turn to maggots and he eats your brain, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as a result, if you ever watch things like Wild Kingdom and all that, and you see that one animal that is out there by itself, and he don't know where he is with the rest of the herd, and he's constantly like this, and he's shaking his head, and then all of a sudden he's over here by himself, and everybody else is over there, and then all of a sudden the lion comes out and get him, right? That's usually those kind that's been affected by the tsetse fly, and his ears, his mind, his brain is gone. And see, and that's what the enemy wants to do, is he wants to whisper those things, negative things and evil things in your ear to get you to shake your head and not be able to hear the voice of God, you know, and as a result of that, he wants to get you off by yourself, you know, so that he can devour you. That's what the Bible says. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Amen. So you got to bring your thoughts into captivity to the obedience in Christ and have a readiness to revenge, to take action against all disobedience. Amen. When it comes, when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, when you get now to start doing what is right, now you got to start to deal with disobedience. You know, you, you've got to bring it into line. Amen. You can't be afraid to tell others when they're wrong. And they're disobeying, you know. You, we, we're all on the same team, you know. We got to get it right here. So you want when your obedience is fulfilled, you be ready to avenge all disobedience, any disobedience from this point as well. As try to come into your life again. You got to be willing to get rid of it. You've got to push it back out. You don't want to take it back up again. You may, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. See, this is why a lot of people have trouble with holiness. Is because holiness starts inside and it works outside. And so you're getting rid of junk. Holiness is basically a separation. Amen. But the world is going to always try to get back in. Satan is going to always try to get back in. So you got to be obedient to the word of God now. This is why James said in James 1 to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving yourself. 
So as you becoming a doer of God's word, it's going to make you obedient to the things of God. And as a result, when all the disobedience from you had before that you got rid of, try to work its way back in, you've got to now make sure you push it out, keep it out. You've got to fortify yourself. You've got to put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul goes on and tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, This charge I command unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mayest by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. Notice, you want your conscience clear. Amen. You don't want to be entangled with the world. Amen. This is really what this scripture is saying, you know. He, he goes on in Second Timothy. He says, no man to war entangled himself with the affairs of this life. And I think yeah, I told you when I first joined the army back in the 60s, they told me if the army wanted me to have a wife, they'd have issued me one. You know, they, they didn't want me to be entangled with a lot of the things of the world. And they still tell you as a soldier, you cannot get bogged down with what's going on on the outside. You have to keep your mind focused on what you have been chosen to do inside as a soldier. Amen. And so you have to keep your mind clear. So Paul is letting Timothy know that he had many prophecies that went forth on his life so that he would be a good fighter for the Lord in this warfare that God has called him to. And this is what Paul is trying to get us to see, that a lot of times we get a lot of words of encouragement, you know, through the preaching of God's word, through the teachings of God's word. And it's going before us because we want to have this good warfare and we want to have a good conscience. If you go back and you watch some old war movies, you find that when they got ready to go off the war, they always gave them good pep talks. You know, they told them, you know, we're behind you. You're going to win. Your enemy's going to lose. They, they gave them good pep, pep talks uh, before they went out to go to battle. And this is basically what Paul is trying to let Timothy know, that he had many prophecies that went forth on his life that he might be able to fight a good warfare, a good fight, amen, for the Lord Jesus as well. And he says, hold in faith. In other words, you're going to get out there sometime, Timothy, and sometimes things are going to happen around you, and you're going to see some of your buddies falling, and people are going to give up, and people are going to quit. But you've got to still hold to the faith. You've still got to believe that Jesus is with you, that God will help you conquer whatever you're trying to accomplish. So don't give up. You see, we walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to believe, as God's word tells us, we're victorious. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel when things start coming against you. Amen. As the old saying, the darkest hour is just before the day. And you know, we, what's that old saying? You must not quit. You never know how close you are until you quit. Israel was right at the finish line, and they quit. They said, we're not able. They had wandered in the wilderness, and now they're getting ready to step in the promised land. They say, we can't do it. They gave up, and they walked another 40 years in the wilderness, came right back to the same spot. <laughs> no, you know, don't quit. Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. So Paul told the whole fact, a good conscience. See, you know, God did not give you the spirit of fear, Paul told Timothy. He gave you power. He gave you love and a sound mind. And he says in, to the church of Philippi, 1.6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day 
of Jesus Christ. Amen. You want to keep your mind stayed on Christ. This is why Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, 3, that God will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because you trust in him. Amen. You want your conscience clear. You want to have a clear conscience. You don't want all this mess that's going on in the world to bombard your mind. If you spend a lot of times on the Internet, if you spend a lot of times watching television, if you spend a lot of times around evil and the negative people, it's going to bombard your conscience. And your mind is not going to be clear. In warfare, you've got to have a clear mind. Amen. You want your mind clear. You want to know what you're doing. This is why a soldier is skilled and experienced. Amen. And he's got to be able to use his mind right. Amen. As the old saying, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. You don't want to waste your conscience, amen, on a lot of this foolishness that's going on. You can't control it anyhow. So control what you can. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul goes on and tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Get hard. Get tough. Be like Timex. Take a licking and keep on ticking. You know, you, you got to be a tough. This is war. Oh, she didn't tell me she liked me. Ooh, they don't like me. They didn't invite me. Toughen up. Get tough. It's cold outside. Toughen up. It's too hot. Toughen up. You got to get tough. You know, I got pain in my body. Toughen up. <laughs> Come on. Hardness is a good soldier. You've got to endure. And what do they tell us? It don't rain in the army. It rain on the army. <laughs> you know, you, you tread through the snow. You know, toughen up. Most of us. Now, maybe I'm the only one. Now, y'all tell me. Throw stones at me if I'm the only one. When I had a job, I made sure that I went to work. Right? Because if not, I knew I'd get fired, right? <laughs> so if you don't show up with God, guess what? You ain't wall. <laughs> Which is more important. We've got to get our priorities right. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. If I'm going to give that guy out there that don't care a thing about my soul eight hours, that don't care, because I guarantee if I drop dead when I'm out there working, he's going to hire somebody else probably by the afternoon. See? So can I not give God priority as well? Amen. we got to learn how to endure hardness. You know, we press in towards the mark of the prize. Think about those soldiers in World War II and, and Vietnam and some of the other wars, man. They, they was tired, but guess what? They kept pressing. They kept going. They had to have the victory. You know, you know even if you look at the scriptures, Israel, you know, they was complaining and murmuring and bickering and everything else. But they was going to a better place. There's nothing wrong with a little murmuring, a little complaining. But don't let it mess with your conscience to get you off track. 
press, 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 into a hardness as a good soldier. No man that watereth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him that has chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. Amen. The one that has chosen you to be a good soldier for him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your warns girded about with truth. Amen. What is he telling you to do here? Preparation, right? Study. Get involved here. Get your loins girded about with truth. In other words, know what the Word of God says because that's where your encouragement comes from. That's where your strength is coming from. You, this is your basic ammunition he's giving you now. He's giving you your uniform, should I put it this way. He's trying to get you how soldiers should dress and conduct themselves. He says your loins girded about with truth, your breastplate of righteousness. Amen. We think of the breastplate, we think of the heart. Amen. Because if a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if I think that I'm doing right, I want to live right. Amen. So we want the righteousness because without the righteousness of God, we are all filthy rags, right? So we want our hearts to be pure. We want our minds to be pure and righteousness. We want our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Brother Miller was teaching us about the armor a few weeks ago, about lacing our boots up, making sure they fit right, you know, because you've got to learn how to run in them. You've got to learn how to walk in them. Amen. This gospel, because we know the power of the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. Amen. So we, we've got to know this gospel. We've got to know how the gospel applied to us. We, you know, the gospel is what God has given us to deliver. You know, people, it's what we're taking to the people that's going to set them free. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got to be, have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You've got to know how to walk in peace. You've got to know how to live in peace. You've got to know how to operate in peace. Amen. Sometimes you're a peacetime soldier. Amen. And so you've got to be able to handle and do it in peace. Amen as well. And the prince of peace is with us. Above all, he says, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Your faith level, you've got to take it higher. Amen. You've got to keep building your faith constantly. You've got to learn how to do things that you're afraid to do so that your faith will be able to rise higher. That's how you gain more faith. I, as a young boy, you know, I had read in the third grade this book. You know, I can't remember the name of it now, but anyhow, maybe you've read it too. His little boy, he was talking about he went to the, the state fair and he was on a roller coaster. I don't know why I chose this book out of the library, you know, when I was third grade. But anyhow, I read it and, and the roller coaster came across the corner and it came loose and the kid went flying out across the field and, uh, and stuff. And for, for years, I was afraid to ride a roller coaster because I thought that was going to happen to me, you know. For years, for years, for years, I would not get in a roller coaster. Until I was a grown man. 
And one day in Germany, they had this roller coaster. And I said, you know what? Here I am, 40 years old almost, and I'm scared of roller coasters. You know, I said, I need to defeat this thing. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to defeat this thing. And so I went to the carnival. I got my ticket. I got in line. There ain't no turning back now. And so, you know, once I did it, hey, I was, I was okay now. My faith. See, that's what we've got to do sometimes, to build our faith. You know, above all, take this shield of faith so you can, you know, repel. Because if the enemy finds out that you are afraid of something, He's going to play that. He's going to play that. Psychological warfare is called. That's what he does is psychological warfare. You know, I remember in Vietnam, you know, they had these big speakers. They would say at night when you're, yeah, you can't defeat us. You can't win. They try to play psychological warfare, you know, on you. You know, that's like if you go to the border of North and South Korea. You know, they got these great big speakers and constantly, all night long, the North Koreans playing their loud music, and the South Koreans is playing their loud music back across the borders, and they're using psychological warfare against each other. You know, they, they say they, they, we're going to kill you, we're going to defeat you, we, you can't win, and that's what they do. That's how they use psychological warfare. That's what ISIS is doing now. They're using psychological warfare when they're cutting all these people's heads off. You know, they're, they're trying to inflict from a distance. See, they're trying to inflict from a whole distance away. They're in the Middle East and you here in America. You know, they, they're trying to inflict terror, terror into your minds and thoughts, you know, and stuff. And so this is why you've got to build up your shield of faith. You know, you've got to believe that God is with you every step of the way, you know, and stuff. So you've got to prepare yourself. Build up yourself Paul says, on your most holy faith, Jude, excuse me, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, get in there when you're praying, you know. Get into that next realm sometime. Go on into that holies of holies where the Spirit kicks in and begins to intercede with, it would make it groaning without, without utterance. Amen. You want to get so close to God, you know, that you know his voice and what he's speaking to you. You want to be a prayer warrior and you want to get close to God at all the time. Here, so you want to build up your faith, amen. And he goes on and take the helmet of salvation. You know, get your mind in the game. But you know, you know you're saved, right? Don't be questioning your salvation. You know, did you repent of your sins? Did you get baptized in Jesus' name? Did he fill you with the Holy Ghost? You know, these things you need to, to know. You know, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to a better place. Don't be questioning your salvation. You know. If you did it according to the word of God, you should know. Amen. And as a result, you live that way. And then he says, above all, you know, now you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there too. Remember what Jesus told people? Watch. Be alert. Be around you. Know your surroundings. That was one of the things they always taught us in the military. It's always know your surroundings. Know where you're at. You know, know what you're doing. Look, when you go into a building, where's the escape route? Where's the exit sign? You know, know how to get out. You got to have all this stuff. You learn this stuff as soldiers, you know. So when you go into place, you got to be able, 
So this is what you want to, to accomplish here. You want to know these things in your life. Amen. For the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the divisors of under soul and spirit, and joining Mara and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. The word of God is, is quick, it's sharp, it's powerful. Nothing can defeat God. <laughs> you know, His word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word is not going to pass away. Amen. You can use God's word for every situation. This is why Paul says in Romans 15, 4, that it's through patience and comfort of the scripture that we find our hope. There's so much hope in the word of God. You know, you can just take any scripture and it's going to speak to you somehow, you know, to give you encouragement and give you strength as God's children. Amen. What is your favorite scripture? You know, what did, what did you get for promise Sunday? You know, did, did you look at it closely? Did you, did you ask God for revelation of truth? You know, these are things you want to hold on to. It's a promise, amen, from him. As the old song says, every promise in the book is mine. Every word, every chapter, every line. You know, it's a promise to me. So there's so much encouragement, so much instruction uh, from the word of God. You know, it's our ammunition uh, to use and when to use it right. It is our weapon of warfare, our, our, our weapon of choice, as we can put it that way. God just asked me, what is your weapons of choice when I was in the army? Well, there were certain ones I liked better than the other. But today as a Christian, my weapon of choice is the Bible. <laughs> That's the one I like to fight with. That's the one I like to use, amen, to encourage and strengthen me, amen. Second Corinthians 6 and 4, But in all things proving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, and affliction, and necessity, and distress, and stripes, and imprisonment, and tumults, and labor, and watching, and fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil reports and good reports, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as chase, chastened. And not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Man, think about that. Amen. That's soldier in there. <laughs> That's what we're designed to do. Amen. And this is what God wants out of us. Amen. So as we look at this definition of, of being a soldier, the skill and the experience, one of the things about when you learn to be a soldier, soldiers go through what I call the three-stage process before they can become a soldier. Stage one is the slow improvement stage. Because usually when a person first comes into the church, they're slow. You have to take it slow with them. They don't understand everything, you know. And so as a result, you put it on them a little easy, you know. They're slow. Paul says to the church uh, in Hebrews, he says, I fed you with milk because you could not handle the meat. So you start out with just a little bit. You're learning a little bit. Like I heard my wife say up here Sunday, if you can't think you can read the adult uh, lesson through for the year, she says, get the kids one. You know, get in the habit of at least reading something every day. Because pretty soon it will become habit form. That's the slow improvement stage that we're, that we're talking about. You know, we, 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 we take things slow and, and easier. Usually we have what we call 
new beginners class. I know my wife did the new beginners class there for a while, and, uh, and people was graduating from that. You know, the 10-week course she took them through to teach them the basic stuff. That's the slow improvement stage. You translate that into uh, uh, being a soldier. That's why soldiers go through basic and AIT. You know, there is, it's basic. It's the basic initial stage of becoming a soldier, and, uh, and it's slow. And then the next stage is the toughening stage. You know, this is where you begin to, your muscles now are beginning to get tough, and they're making you do more push-ups, and they're making you run further than you you did before and they make you go through a lot of more rigorous training and carrying a lot more weight than what you did from the beginning and making you stay up later and all these things okay so in the church when you get to that toughening phase is now that you have to get to that point to where you can take some shots and say you know if you get chewed out for doing wrong that you're able to say okay I can understand why you just told me that and I, I'm going to correct that action. It goes back to what Paul says. You know, when your obedience is fulfilled, you're ready to deal with disobedience, see? Because sometimes disobedience try to get back in. And if I come into you and say, hey, that's not right. You didn't do, you're not doing right. You're supposed to be able to take that and adjust your shot group to make sure this disobedience gets out. And you say to myself, I'm not going to do that again, you know, because now you're toughening up to be a soldier of the Lord. And this is what God wants. And, and being tough means you're going to have to do a little bit more. You're going to have to step up to the plate a little bit more because now what? You're becoming an experienced soldier. You're becoming a skilled soldier. You've already learned the basics. See, when you graduated from that 10-week course that she gave you downstairs, you know, I don't need to be telling you about holy living. You're supposed to be able to have picked that up in the initial phases. And so now you've got to start doing what the Word of God says. You've got to know the book for yourself, see. That's why in the military, after basic and AIT, they don't let you make a whole lot of mistakes. They expect you to know what to do, okay. And it's the same way in the church. Say, so if you look at Jesus teaching to his disciples, you know, he, they came to a point that they were still acting like new beginners. And he would tell them, you're supposed to know. He said, this should not be among you. You remember when, when James and John wants to, you know, be the one on the right and one on the left, right? And then the other ten says, you knuckleheads, what's wrong with you? And they're getting ready to start a fight. Jesus just called them all together. He said, ho, 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 ho. Uh-uh. This ain't going to be among you. You know, <laughs> you know, he says Gentiles do that kind of stuff. People out there in the world, but no, not in the church. No, 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 no. You're on the same team. You know, this bickering and stuff about who's, who's, who's going to be great and who's going to be, you know, on the right and on the left. He says, uh-uh, not in, not in the church. He says, okay. He said, you want to be on the right? You want to be on the left? Let me ask you a question. Can you drink the same cup? <laughs> Can you be baptized with the same baptism? You know, he says, tell you what, if you want to be the greatest, be a servant. <laughs> that'll, put, that'll determine. You know, he said, that's, that's my yardstick, a servant. You know, he says, because I didn't come to be served. I came to minister. Amen. And give my life a ransom. 
Amen. And that's what soldiers are. You know, we come to minister. We come to serve. Amen. And it's what we want to do. So you go through that slow improvement stage. You go through the toughness stage. And then you hit the third stage, which is the sustainment stage. And sustainment is just what I was saying. You don't need anybody. This is what, what John says in 1 John 2, 27, I think it is. He says, if the anointing is in you, I think it's 1 John 2, 27. It might be 26 or 27. 1 John 2, 27 or 26. Let's see. But he says, if the anointing, there you go. I went off too much, was it? He says, but if the anointing which is you have received him abide in you, and you need not that any teach man teach you, but as the same anointing teach you of all things in his truth, and there's no lie, and even that have taught you, you shall abide in him. See, that's the sustainment stage. Because the Holy Ghost is leading you now. The Holy Ghost is teaching you. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and I am known of them. So the Holy Ghost is teaching you what you should do. See, it's quickening you. It's bringing you into the obedience to keep you focused and steadfast. And you, you want to stay sustained now. Amen. You, you are skilled now. You're supposed to know how to fight. You're supposed to know your enemy. You know how to dress. You know how to conduct yourself. You know, you know when I was in the Army, the only thing we sometimes put on the bulletin board, uniform of the day is Class B. You know? And soldiers knew what a Class B uniform was. Because they learned back here in the initial stage. You know, if I said class A's, they knew. Dress blues, tennis shoes, they knew. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they knew what the uniform was to have on. You know, if they fell out there with anything else, it was wrong. When I was in basic training, Sister Janet, they issued two pair of boots. And you know what they did with one pair? Put a white dot on the back of it. On the back, right up here, put white dot. And they said, you wear this, your white dot boots is to be worn every odd day. The regular would be worn on the even day. And so they, they, you get out of formation, the first thing the platoon sergeant do is everybody doing a bout face. That's all he did, bout face. Because you can see everybody, if they had the white dot on or not. God forbid you didn't have on the right boots. You push away Fort Bragg, North Carolina. You know? That's right. They knew. Yeah, put you on KP. Whatever. They teach you a lesson. You know? And you didn't forget it. You didn't forget it. You know? I probably have some soldiers, people that, if they're still alive right now, every time they hear the national anthem, they probably think about me. You know? They, they, they probably think. Because I had a couple of soldiers one time, Sister Janet. They didn't get out of the car doing the national anthem. And, and, the MPs, and the MPs called me and said, First Sergeant, we stopped a couple of your soldiers because they didn't get out of their car for the national anthem. Is it true? Yes, First Sergeant. Guess what? For the next 30 days at 5 o'clock in the morning, you and your chain of command will be at the headquarters building when the flag goes up, you will stand at attention and you will salute. At 5 o'clock in the evening, when it goes down, you will be at headquarters standing at attention 
to salute the flag when it plays re retreat so that you get a clear understanding of respect to the American flag. And I bet you after that 30 days, they never had another problem. And today, if they're still alive, I guarantee you when they hear the national anthem, they are ready to stand at attention. But you don't forget that stuff. I'm telling you, there's stuff right now I, I, I see and I hear and I, I immediately, you know, because it was drilled in you, you know. And, and, and that's the, the way it's got to be in the church. We've got to sustain. We've got to sustain these things, amen, as we go forth, amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new, amen. And so we've got to continue to, to be able to do these things, studying our enemies and and being experienced and skilled in the things that God has chosen you and I to do. So who we are. Who are we? Who are we? Who, who we are. Who are we? <laughs> One of those. Amen. Notice Peter says, you have chosen. Notice. Everybody don't get to be soldiers. <laughs> You're chosen. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. You're distinct. Soldier stands out. Amen. They're distinct. They stand out. They're uniform when you see them. They stand out like a sore thumb. You know, and this is what God wants his people to be. You know, not in an ostentatious way, but he wants you to be recognized as his. See, so that you are ready to give an answer of the hope that is in you. You know, a lot of times most people see soldiers in uniform, they want to ask them questions. And what do you do? You know, and they tell them what, as much as they can. They don't tell them everything. You might hear some says, if I told you, I have to kill you, you know. But they tell you certain things about their profession, amen, because, you know, they are proud of being chosen in what they're doing. You know, their uniforms, the berets, the, the, the ropes and all these medals and everything is the, for purpose, see. And in our uniforms that we wear, we look our best. We take care of our uniforms. You know, we iron our uniform. We look good. You know, we 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 shave. We cut our hair. We, you know, we dress nice. You know, you don't want to come to formation look like you got out of duffel bag. <laughs> That's what they used to tell us, Sister Sue. You know, they said, you know, you look just like you got out of duffel bag. What, what are you doing? You know, in other words, you got too many wrinkles, <laughs> you know, but but because soldiers are supposed to look a certain way and and be peculiar, you know, distinctive, you know, and granted, you will recognize somebody will recognize you if you all wrinkled up and everything. You look like you just got out of a duffel bag, <laughs> you know, and, and he's usually your supervisor, <laughs> The guy that, the Bible says you would stand before kings, you won't want to stand for mean men, you know. So, but, 
But these things, we, we represent him. And he, Peter says we're doing this, why? So we can show forth the praises of him which has called us out of darkness to his marvelous light. Say, we want to represent him in the best way. Now, remember last month we were talking about Christian influence, right? And we talked about three things that we, it would give us good Christian influence. What was number one? Uh, we only been gone two weeks, guys. Come on. It was at the end of the page. I say, what was the three things at the end of the lesson last last week that we talked about that would give us uh, good influence? Don't lose your identity in the crowd. See, you're a soldier. Okay, you're always a soldier. You know they used to tell us, I don't care if you go on leave, you're still a soldier. You know, they told me even when I retired, you know, until a certain age, you can be called back to active duty if should the president deem necessary. So, you know, you're always a soldier. They'll say Marines, once a Marine, always a Marine. They, that's, that's what they always say, once a Marine, always a Marine. See, and so we can't you lose our identity. What has God done for us? See, this is what Paul is saying to the church of Galatians. It's the old foolish Galatian who has bewitched you. See, he says, you didn't start in the flesh. You start in the spirit. See, and so if we are born again of the water and the spirit, if we are God's children, or we are new creatures in Christ now, we can't lose our identity. He's a holy God. We've got to stay holy. We've got to stay separate. Amen. Even if we're out there in the crowd, we should still stand out. Amen. Our surroundings. See, we don't lose our identity as Christians. It's a people in the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. So you can't lose your identity, who you are as a child of God. You've been born again of the water and the spirit. Amen. You're his. His name is in your forehead. Amen. You're his child. Represent your dad well. Amen. What was number two? Have a servant attitude. Amen. You've got to always be a servant. He came to serve now we're serving. That's why when you go in the military, what are you doing? You're serving your country. You know, when I joined in 1969, I never forget that motto. If you're good enough to get in, you will serve your country well. If you're good enough to get in, you will travel far and wide. Oh, the future can be yours in the new action army. If you think you're good enough to get on a team, then a brighter future can be yours. Notice, that was the motto. I was sitting watching television. I, I said, hey, that's it. I want to do that. And I guess I was good enough to get on the team. So a brighter future was mine. I traveled the world. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah. See, so you serve your country what? Well, Jesus has put you on his team. You should serve his church well. Give it your all. Serve, serve. That's what we're called to do. We're going to be great. We've got to be servants of the Lord. 
So we want to have that servant attitude, you know, in, in all that we do. And what was number three? Do everything unto the glory of God. That's right. Because that's who we are part of. We're doing everything to the best of our abilities to represent him well. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, John says. And it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We are his children. Amen. We're soldiers of the cross. We're fighting. We're marching. Amen. We're claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. We're soldiers, and we'll march in heaven's bound. Amen. Well, I'm a soldier in God's army, and I'm marching. I'm claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven's bound. Well, I'm a soldier in God's army, and I'm marching. I'm claiming the victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I'm a soldier marching heaven's bow. Amen. Praise God.